everybody, St. Paul here. Welcome to episode 11 of Music on the Run. It's snowy here in Minneapolis in April. It's unbelievable. It's just, as Prince said, sometimes it snows in April. Episode 11 features my buddy Nathan East, the great, great, great bass player. He's played with everybody from Clapton to Michael Jackson to Phil Collins, Ringo, Foreplay, Daft Punk, Toto, Stevie, Herbie, Quincy, so many different people. And we get to talk to him next on Music on the Run. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, how are you? My name is St. Paul Peterson and welcome to another special NAM edition of Music on the Run in front of a live studio audience. Let me hear you. Uh, I am seated uh, in the Electro Voice booth, which is uh, an incredible company out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Bloomington, Minnesota, actually. They have graciously hosted us here at the National Association of Music Merchants conference, which is the biggest conference, I think biggest music merchant conference in the world, where I get to see my old friends like Adrian. I see you out there, my brother. Uh, It's so great to see a bunch of old faces here that I love so much, and it it really is like a reunion here. But uh, we, we are sitting in the Electro Voice booth, and we've had such a great time this entire week taping this podcast, and today is going to be no exception to that. My next guest, oh, we like that groove going on next door. Can you feel that? I can hear it. My next guest is the busiest and really is the most recorded bass player of all time. He's a Grammy-nominated solo artist, a producer, a songwriter, a ranger, vocalist, band leader. He's a pilot, and so am I, so we're going to talk about that. He's a magician. He's worked with everybody from Michael Jackson to Eric Clapton and, of course, his own band, Foreplay. Please give a beautiful applause to Mr. Nathan East. Nathan! It's kind of funky in here. Uh oh. Well, you know, sometimes we got to do that. Learn that from you. in the house. Welcome. Thank you for doing this. Thanks hey for guys. taking time out of your day. This is the band right here. <laughs> you got the band here? Yeah. Well, it'd be a hell of a band. Byron, we should set, up, set it up and compete with Michael next Michael Neal, come on. I know. A bunch of great musicians in the house. Congrats on the podcast, too. This is, this yeah. is great. So really you've great. been busy at this now. Oh, man, yeah. Well, yeah. tell me a little bit about the concert that I unfortunately missed the other night. You were the musical director for this big night, huh? Did anybody go? It was... Uh, I mean, first of all, earth, wind, and fire. I know. <laughs> Came and played. I mean, we could stop there, but, you know, Sinbad hosted it. And, um, you know, Talkbox, Avery Sunshine, Shalea. I mean, it was just Kenny Loggins came. I know. My old buddies. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I cannot really believe that was the one night I decided to stay in and rest up. Oh, Whoops. man. Bad I wish decision. I could have stayed in and rested up. <laughs> <laughs> but we had the most fun ever. I mean, it was like... 
for me, I, it, it, I was like a kid again, you know. I bet. Because, uh, you know, all those songs are part of our DNA. You know? Oh, man. And um, so it was great. So what was it, just for my listeners out there who are not musicians, they, who don't, don't understand what a musical director does, will you explain what your role was in organizing this thing? Well, I've been, um, actually I've been with Yamaha almost like coming up on 40 years now. Oh, so it's, wow. <laughs> you know, when I was two, we got together and it was, yes, that's when I started with them. So. Yeah, exactly. Sroosh. hey And, but, so... We've been doing this for a few years now, and and uh, they've been relying on me, relying on me to not only to play, and I signed with their label, and then um, I MD a lot of the shows that we do together. So this Nam show kind of keeps every year. We've been doing it for a few years now, you know, out on the plaza in the in the, par- in the parking lot. In the par- <laughs> basically, yeah. So the parking lot seats thirty thousand or something like sure <laughs> or does. something like that. So so uh, it, it kind of. It's snowballed and it just keeps getting kind of bigger and bigger every year, and, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's got to be a chance to reconnect with all your old yeah. friends, right? Yeah, and it's it's I mean, it's it's a family kind of affair. Even even Yamaha family, uh, you know, from Japan, the USA, and right. then all the uh, people that we get to work with musically, you know, on the stage. Uh, um, everybody A to Z production. Uh, it's just it's a big family. It's old home week, right? Old home week, kind of like what, uh, what what it goes on here when, when you walk down the halls of, of this convention. You run, yeah. you can't get five feet without running into somebody that you know and love. Exactly, it's like a reunion. Yeah, I started to come here at ten this morning. I just got here. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> and that what, was I was just down the hall. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you, you see everybody literally. And uh, it's it's like a big family reunion. I love it. I know. So your website says that you have two thousand hours of recorded bass, dude. That's a lot of bass. That's like thirty thousand songs, uh, if I did my math correctly. <laughs> well, you know, it's it. You don't you don't think about it at the time, but when I started doing sessions, literally, there were like four five sessions a day going on in this town. So if you do the math, like in seven days, mm, yeah, you know. Uh, you you could do 28, 25, 30 sessions in a week. And you did. <laughs> and I, and I did. did. And, I, and uh, you know, I mean, that was like my ambition. You know, that was kind of one of my dreams. And the next thing you know, the calls were coming in, and I was saying, yes. That's so, I mean, we just started, started with Barry White. We used to do those every day, you know. Wow. And, and do those records. Um, and then, you know, from then, you know, Quincy Jones he called, and so you're, you're in the studio, camped out with him, and, and then, you know, Kenny called to go on tour, so you know you, you leave that there and you run out and do those, and then it's a live album, you know. So it's it's good fun. So you, I mean, it's been an incredible run, and you're busier than ever. Still, uh, still, thankfully, you know that's that's kind of what what I prayed for when I was little. So, well, so you be, careful be careful what you pray for. Yeah, right. Exactly. So bass is that is that your primary instrument? Is that what you started on, or I started on cello. Okay, and. Uh, Actually, the first thing that made me want to get into music was um, I'd sit down and listen to the Charlie Brown specials. Oh, and really? Giraldi no. music was just like way too cool, you know, and, and all those, you know, Christmas and all the specials. Yeah. And, and, and so I said, I want to do that. And so um, at school, I said, oh, I want to play piano, you know. And, and, and they said, well, we, we don't have that, but you can play one of the uh, string instruments. So I, pl- I picked the cello because it was kind of a good size. Bass was too big. Right, okay. Violin and viola were a little small, so I just, So okay, were you cello. playing that as a kid in, so, in school? Yeah, I played or? it a few, few years in the, in the orchestra in, in junior high school. Okay. So uh, that, when did, that was my start. When did the switch come to and, bass? And then I, um, 
I was, uh, I was in church with my brothers who were playing and singing, God. and uh, there was a bass on the altar, and nobody was playing it, and I picked it up, and, uh, you know, this, I said, this is it. This is me from, from now on, you know. I was 14, and the uh, great thing about playing in church is um, you don't have to be that good. If you make a mistake, they forgive you right away. You know? <laughs> I, mean, <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's a good place to learn. That's why so many people come out of the church. It's true, man. <laughs> it really is. You know, it's a very forgiving. It's a great, it's actually a great uh, uh, environment because everybody yeah. wants you to succeed. Everybody wants to play. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to get on your case. So, so I was immediately in the back. And there was something about the bass, I guess, coming from cello. Yeah. I, I kind of already had the bass clef and, and uh, four strings, you know. So right. that was already kind of part of the equation. So it was uh, a very easy transition. And, and then it just, um, you know, I learned, I learned the E, the A, and then I had a gig by the time I got to the D. <laughs> That's string. the only two strings we need, right? <laughs> So tell me a little bit about your family growing up. Now you're originally from Philly, Philly but, yeah. and then you and then moved we to- we went to San Diego because my my dad got a, a job at uh, General Dynamics Con Conquer okay. designing aircraft. Wow. Yes. Aha. Yeah. Now so, I know why. That's why we have four pilot. pilots in the family. Do you really? Yeah, four private pilots. Yeah. So you still fly? Oh my brother, I still fly. Yeah. I, yeah I'm so. I'm still I I have to get my medical, but I'm, I'm still, just got my biannual. Yeah. I got it. I have to get current now, but because um, I've been doing so much international commercial travel yeah. now, so. it's hard to it's hard. It's that's hard a to hard thing to keep up. But yeah. you don't want to mess around with that one. No, you don't want to. Yeah, there's no undo button on that one. No, no right. reset. So, you, is your family musical then? I take it. Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, everybody's everybody's musical. It's just like it's part of the it's part of the equation, you know. And and uh, so we had a piano, and we and and then we all had lessons, piano lessons, but. But then every, everybody had, you know, my sister played French horn, and flute. My brothers played guitar. Uh, my brother James, I left the bass line around, and now he plays bass, you know. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he, he, uh, he came back, and he was teaching me some stuff on the bass, you know. Oh, so he, he actually plays in my band. And, um, yeah, David and Ray. Ray's a, a Monsignor. Uh, he was ordained a priest. Is that right? Yeah, uh, 30, 35 years ago. So he has That's a parish great, in D.C. Man. Yeah, wow. so... Uh, very musical and spiritual family. That's so cool, man. I, I mean, it's it's very similar to the Peterson family for me. So I knew we'd get along right away. I've I've known, of course, about Nathan my entire career because I'm a bass player as well. We've communicated, and I feel like we know each other, but we've never really hung out. Right. So this is a good opportunity. And when, to, when you were warming up my bass just now, I said, "Okay, now I know where to go for lessons." <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Highly doubt that. Uh, no. But I, I think it's quite similar, though, that uh, because my my mom was a strong Catholic woman, and we were my father died when I was young, and all of my brothers and sisters played music. We didn't really know any better, and it sounds like that might have been the case in your house as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's kind of like you just gravitate, and then you know, music was always blasting throughout the neighborhood. You know, so what are you listening to back and, in those days? Oh man, you What's, know, Marvin Gaye and okay. Of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and but yeah. everything, Chicago and uh, Tower of Power, Blood, Sweat, and so I'm, I'm the I'm the biggest Tower of Power fan. Were you there last <laughs> night? Of course. Off me too. Me Singing too. every song, you know. I just fast David Garibaldi just now. Oh yeah. man! And like, come on. And Rocco. And Rocco's. Our I hero, love him, man. Yeah, love, love. Yeah, Rocco. I visit him every time I'm in, in in Vegas, whenever I can. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, he's he's 
mentor. You know, he and Verdine are my are my mentors. Verdine, <laughs> me too. I mean, and you, uh, but those are in Marcus and and uh, yeah, Abe, Abraham, yeah. Oh yeah, Abe. I mean, Anthony Jackson. Let me count the ways. You know, musically, there's just so much James Jamerson, you know, and McCartney, and there's so much music that's come, you know, before us that we we should study and digest and. And, and, and I want to talk about education a little bit later on in this, but I want to know when you actually stepped out of the church and, and well, you've always been there, but I'm saying for to be a professional musician. What was that transition all about? Yeah. What, what was that first gig? I um, studied music. Actually, I got a, a degree in music at UCSD, and I started, I started the uh, um, master's program, actually. So um, Bert Turetsky, who was our contrabass instructor there, you know, he said, Move to L.A., start making some money, and make us proud, you know? Okay. Yeah, so he literally kind of kicked me out of graduate school, you know? Is that right? And said, dude. That's your school. You're going to be here for, yeah, UCSD. Okay. So, so uh, and, and now, you know, I love doing, I, I started a fund for UCSD East for Education. So, Did you? So that, yeah, so that we can just continue to, to get um, our young people educated and and um, so I work with the chancellor there a lot still now and then. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. I mean, that, it, music education is so important, or just exposure yeah. to musicality, yeah. I think, is so incredibly yeah, important. And, 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 you know, there's things you learn in school, and then there's things you learn in, uh, on, out on the road. On the gig. <laughs> the school of hard knocks. You know? Oh, yeah. But um, when you put those things together, I think it really gives you the frame of reference and... and um, it gives you depth and, and I, I think the tools that it takes to, to really deal with everything that you're going to come up against. You know, once, once you leave the comfort of this uh, institution. The institution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you ever taught at a college or anything like that? No, I, lots of clinics. Okay. You know, and uh, Berkeley, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and then um, actually my son goes to UC Berkeley, my son and daughter. And recently, they did a, an alumni event, and they asked us both to play for it. You know, so really? it was fun to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and so many universities around the world, I've I've played. In Seoul, my friend, is a dean of, of a big music school there. Hmm. Uh, Jack Lee's brother, and and uh, so you know, it, it's just very important to me. You're passing it down to the next generation, man. I through your so. records, through your recording, through your teaching. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the way. That, that's what we're supposed to do. I, I think but not so. everybody does that. Well, I think you know, once you once you learn something and once you achieve a certain level, you need to take that ladder that you climbed, and you know, you could put it behind you, and then folks can climb up and meet you there, you know. And so, uh, I have an online school of base at Artist Works. Oh. Um, and so, uh, and there's a lot of good faculty members. Uh, Chuck Loeb was there, you know, before he passed. With John right. Patitucci, uh-huh. you know, and, and sure. so there's there's some good base. He, he has a great upright school okay. there, and so um, we just uh, you know try to kind of keep passing it on, you know, so that when we when we go off the edge of the conveyor belt, <laughs> <laughs> which is not going to be anytime soon, <laughs> right. God willing, right. We got a lot. You got a lot, a lot more. Music yeah, no, but I, I mean, I. But it, that, it becomes, uh, you know, it, it becomes more poignant when you look at people like Prince and yes. you know, Michael Jackson, who, like, you know, you you want those guys to be around forever, you know. Yeah. And then the thought that they're gone is is like still. I'm trying to work that out, you know. Well, you're talking about legacy, is what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and nowadays, I think people are more curious, and and I know from because I have 19 year old twins. And, and I know from their curiosity and you're on, you know, YouTube and you, 
you know, you can go back and find a lot of gems, you know. So um, my kid's sitting out here and she's nodding her head. She knows she does <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And, and there's just so many, so many platforms. And, you know, before we'd go to the library and, you know, get the index cards and, and get go down. Get the vinyl. Yeah. And so we had vinyl. And, but now it's just, uh, it's so deep that where you can, you can research and, and people are, are researching, you know, and they're finding all this good stuff. So now I think you meet the young musicians who are actually like amazing and more amazing. I think it's because they have access to so much information. That's really true. I mean, that is one positive part of the internet. Yeah, There's right. many positive parts, but that is definitely one yeah. of them. So your big break when you were a kid, who was it with? It was, uh, I got a call from Barry White when I was 16. <laughs> Barry White. <laughs> yeah, Barry White. Yeah. And um, our, band, our band Power in San Diego backed up this Stax Review, and he was one of the artists. And um, when he heard the band, he hired the entire band on the spot. You know? So he called us all up to his office, what? and we went up there, we, and he said, uh, and, but this is, the, this is the funny part. He said, I'm going to give you guys 500 bucks a week and uh, <laughs> you share a hotel room, you know. And we were, like, giving each other high fives oh, in front okay. of him. You know? We made it! We made it! <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was an unbelievable experience, you know, playing the Apollo Theater and Madison oh. Square Garden with the, with the Love Unlimited Orchestra, you know. Oh, and, and uh, you know, everybody was in tuxedos. And, Is that right? And it was fantastic. We played Detroit Cobo Hall and Kennedy Center. So I, I remember, like, as, as a teenager being in these places, you know, then I, then I was hooked. I was hooked for life. I bet you were, man. <laughs> yeah. I bet you were. But the phone calls kept coming, though. And yeah, and, and, and thankfully, you know, Gene Page was, was Barry's arranger, and Gene was arranging everything. Elton John, you know, uh -huh. Madonna, the Jacksons. So, right. And if he liked you, um, you know, he, then he would, he would use you. So, like, as soon as I hit town and he, you know, oh man, you can read all my parts and play and interpret them. And, so, and he just started using me for everything and recommended me, you know. So the phone started blazing, you know, and you know, people like Quincy called, but, oh. but, he, he, but he would call for like literally every session, you know. Really? And, and you know, so, okay, tomorrow we got Dion Warwick, we can got Johnny Mathis next week, we got the Jacksons, we, you know, and he was ranging all those people. He lined it all up. He lined a lot but up. But this gentleman that you're speaking of, the one who, who, who was, tell me his name again, the, the arranger for, for Barry? Um, Gene Page. So he was the guy who kind of recommended you for all that. So he was the instigator to get you involved he, in he all was that. A good, and, and he always used, you know, you go in the sessions and there, I mean, I... One of my first sessions with him was a Hertz rent-a-car jingle commercial, and on it was Lee Rittenauer, Ray Parker Jr., oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, all the, James Gatson, and, and so all these, all these like, A-team players he used, and then, you know, when, when they go around and, and drop your name, you know, so it, it's kind of like a, a, a business of stepping stones, and, and uh, it goes from there. Wow. So, I mean, we aren't just talking uh, one genre of music with you either. You love it all. You've Everything. done it all. Everything. Well, to me, there's only uh, two genres. And what is that? Good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the truth? Okay, so, so stay with me on this one thing. I'm going to play a little game, man. Uh, name a favorite memory from a session or an artist or, or, or someone you've traveled with in the following genre. Let's start with jazz. Um, Herbie Hancock, um, when we got to Spain, and my big, huge bass case that had my electric upright in it 
came rolling around on the uh, carousel, and Herbie grabbed it off of the carousel. <laughs> and I'm going, bruh, you're Herbie Hancock. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but this is how I get my exercise. I mean, I'm going. Herbie grabbed his Herbie Hancock is taking my base off the carousel at the airport, and this is, I'm, I'm writing this one down. Oh, you know? man. I mean, there's a million of them, you know. And, uh, you know, standing on the uh, steps of the Lincoln Memorial on uh, the inauguration of Barack Obama wasn't a bad one. Oh, <laughs> that's so great! And that man. that had Herbie, Stevie Wonder, Bono, you know, Springsteen. I mean, it was like so you played for every, you played every we, genre we, that yeah, day. We were, we were the house band that day. <laughs> so, name uh, name a story about a a favorite memory about a, a, a pop art, artist that you play with. What's one that stands out for you? Well, we had a we had a quartet. And um, it, was, it was some of the most fun you could have, and it was actually uh, Phil Collins on drums, Eric Clapton on guitar, Greg Fillingay's on, on keys, and me on bass. And, and we had more fun than you could ever wish for, you know? And, and so a lot of times, you know, flying around in charter flights, you know? Oh, I mean, sure. it was like, it was, it was pretty incredible. And, uh, and one time we were, we were on the train you know, and, and we were going over a bridge and stuff. And then Phil Collins looks down and he says, oh, man, look at all those people. Oh, they look like ants. Oh, they are ants, you know. <laughs> I mean, there was just like, we were laughing so much the whole time. It was really fun, you know. And, and uh, playing London Royal Albert Hall over 100 times. Oh, I that's mean, all yeah. these iconic theaters. Yeah. All these uh, all. We just did the Budokan. I think it was... Uh, it might have been the 70th time or something. It was my 80th trip to Japan last year. Jay. You know, so, uh, I know Lenny, I had Lenny on the show yesterday, and he's been to Japan a million times. Yeah. He just loves it over there. I mean, yeah. what a beautiful culture. and they Incredible love music. culture, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when, when I went there in, in 1980, that's when I realized how much they love music. I mean, they, you're, you're walking down the street, and somebody comes up with an armful of albums you know, to sign. Yeah, you know? they, right. just like, they just are passionate about music. And, uh, and, and the thing, thing about music, too, is around the world, you know, we play in Italy and you see people crying, we're doing Tears in Heaven, and the, they can't even speak English, but they're singing the lyr lyrics to these songs, you know, and, and, and so for, like, for me, it's like the vibration of a note, you know, reaching the hearts of people around the world is still something very magical that I, that I could, first of all, don't take for granted, and right. I feel like it's a, a huge responsibility to, to uh, you know, to, to get it right. Nate, you don't seem like the kind of guy who phones anything in. Well, wait, I just had a part to phone in right now. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean, mean you, I, your, your heart is it's all about the music. Um, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with people that have the crazy work ethic, you know. I mean, the guys like Quincy Jones, I mean, he's the first guy there and the last guy to leave, you know. We've, we've walked out of the studio at 3 o'clock in the morning so many times, you know. Yeah. Lionel Richie and I stood, sit outside of... Oceanway spoke from midnight to 6 a.m. one night with Did our engines really? running. You know, he, he was telling me all these Commodore stories. Uh, and, uh, you know, incredible. Phil Collins, he literally, um, you know, he's the first guy there and the last one to leave, you know. And, and, and I've never seen a work ethic. So like you're going that. to school on this as you're working At with these school, kids. school, you know, and, and taking notes, literally taking notes. I bet you are. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Well, see, yeah. I could tell what kind of a guy you were by the arrangements on your solo record. The depth of feeling and the harmonics and everything it, it, the, your solo record is beautiful oh bless you thank you I, and and you know having a chance to have been in a band with bob james one of the 
most amazing arrangers, you know, you like, oh, yeah. you just, you just hope it rubs off, you know, you, you try to get it to uh, uh, just a little bit of it, you know, so. He's uh, an incredible, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to say that I've written a song that he covered, so that's my connection to Bob. Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Ricky and I wrote a song, my brother Ricky and I, so, but I've never met Bob. He's traveled a bunch with, with Sanborn, who I've both Ricky and I have played with. So our circles are similar, but you and I have never uh, had the opportunity to hang out. So this no, has been this a dream perfect. come true for me. And Bob said hello today. I just got a text and uh, oh, really? let him know we were here. And uh, last, last year, I think two years ago, was like his first, he'd never been to a NAMM show. You got to be kidding <laughs> no, me. No, so he said, I've never been. So he came and we played. We played at the uh, Tech Awards. Did you? everybody. Let's take a quick break because I want to talk to you about a couple different things. First of all, go over to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. That again is www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast. And that is where you can partner with us and financially support all the good things we're doing here on music on the run. Of course, there's a lot of incentives for you as well. Number one, you get a lot of behind the scenes footage pictures, and maybe even some merch. I'm sure you can understand it takes a lot to put on these podcasts, and we love doing them, but it always costs money, and we would love to partner with you. So go over to patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast, and we'd love to have you as our partner. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the company Electro Voice. Electro Voice is a company based here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they specialize in PA speakers and, of course, microphones. They've uh, taken good care of us for many, many years. Uh, prior to me starting Music on the Run podcast, uh, I've endorsed them for a very long time. And I'm actually speaking into one of their mics right now that is a staple in the radio business called an RE320. You know, what's funny is that I actually use this mic a lot on hi-hats and bass cabinets. And it's so versatile. And it's just one of the many, many super high-quality professional microphones that Electrovoice has to offer. Go check them out. You can find them at your favorite music store or just go online at electrovoice.com. Hey, let's get back to that conversation on Music on the Run. Did you? Yeah, I had a great time. What's, what do you think is the secret for you, Nathan? Um, you play, like I said, so many different genres. I mean, authentically. I mean, you weren't faking any of this stuff. What, do you, what is the secret for you? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough because when, back in the day, radio was just, they played everything. So yeah. you, you'd hear Hendrix, then you'd hear James Brown, you'd mm -hmm. hear Miles Davis, all on the same station, you know. Uh, you'd hear Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Earth, right. Wind, and Fire. You know, so when I was coming up, there were a lot of groups that I just fell in love with, including Cream, you know, and I'd sit in my room practicing uh, Sunshine right. of Your Love, you know, with the black light posters and, <laughs> and uh, you know, all the lights off and, and just like in there in the zone, you know, so I had that. So when the call from Clapton came, you know, they, I said, I'm in, <laughs> you know. And, and you're good and then you had it down. <laughs> I mean, it was it was kind of inside of me already, you know, and, and this, but same with Earth, Wind and & Fire and and um, I mean, I was a kid playing with those guys last last Friday, you know. Oh, I can't and, even uh, imagine. And, and when I was a kid, I saw Verdine White and he jumping around, pulled his shirt off, and he oh. played, you know. And a, he had a white bass. I bought a white bass. Of course. And, and, oh, yeah. and I mean, it's just like 
just my hero, you oh, know. Man. And uh, and so and my musical tastes were were all across the board. You know, I studied classically, and then and so you know everything from Rachmaninoff, Bach to to Bob James and all the CTI days, and so jazz, you had that, you know, and then, you know, there was, I was in funk bands, and right. you know, Barry White, so, you know, just, you don't really think about, um, you don't think about, you know, different genres, it's just all this music I loved, and when Al, when Al Jarreau called me, um, they called, they needed somebody, like literally two days from the day I got the call, they, somebody was sick, and I listened to the show on the plane, and, and soundcheck was yeah. my own thing, but but I knew the songs, having recorded some of them, and oh, of and, then, and then just uh, being such a fan, you know. So so when I got the soundcheck, all I really needed to learn was the endings, and sure. uh, you know, make sure the key and everything. But but uh, same with with logins, and and um, so I'm glad that when I grew up, there was just so much again to uh, to draw from. You know, I have to bring up a funny story because I played with Kenny Loggins too, but you played on the records and I had to copy your parts on Footloose <laughs> and I wanted to, I hate you, because I had to play and sing them at the same time. And you know Kenny like I know Kenny. He was like, that's wrong. Go back and fix it. That's wrong. So I had to cop Nathan's parts and that bass part on that song, if you go back and listen to that, is a you know what. No, but it's... Well, I'll have to say I, I had, like, months to, to develop that because every time, like, he knew he had the film to do. So every, uh, every city we got to, they would, like, book out whatever, the conference room or whatever, and we'd have to go in there and rehearse Footloose, you know. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon it was like a nervous tick. As soon as he said, we're going to rehearse, and it was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, like, by the time we went to record that thing in the first take, every note was, like, like there was no other note to play, you know, and, and it was like carved out for months. It's a beast. I mean, that <laughs> is know. a very developed, particular, musical, melodical baseline that I really, I, I mean, it was that took me a, a long time. And you to know, get that done. I, I have to say too, and that that would not have happened if you just get a call and go into the studio. Oh, we have this song Footloose. You know, I mean, there it would it would definitely be different. You know, right. if I hadn't played it for every day for months on the road where we kind of just played it in. And, and then Miles Davis used to play a song for, for a year before he recorded it, you know. Wow, really? And, and that's, yeah, so so it was it was already like a, a piece of music, you know, by the time it got in the studio, because a lot of times you're in the studio, you know, the only time you, you, you're there for that day. Right, of course. And um, so it was, um, that, that was a, a good example of like, that song was played in. Ooh. <laughs> and killing, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. So it, it helped. It, I think it became the record of the year for oh, the Grammys yeah. and uh, um, number one record, and, and definitely, definitely fun tune there's to play. A, there's a lot of cover band bassists who are cussing you out every time <laughs> they got to play it and sing that at the same time. So uh, tell me one thing. Tell me the importance of listening. You know, it's listening is interesting, and, and that's one of the questions I used to. I always ask. People, you know, what's the most important? When I was coming up, I would just ask questions to everybody, you know, mm -hmm. especially people that were already successful. I said, what's the most important thing? And when I asked Quincy, listen. And when I, I met Cannonball Adderley, he, he, uh, he, our crew power toured with him, actually, you know, so we got to know him pretty well, wow. you know. What's the most important thing? Listening. Mm. Eric, 
What's the most important thing? Listen. You have to, you know, everybody that I've asked that, that has been successful and that I respect, they, the most important thing is listening. Because a lot of times, um, and I'll do clinics, you know, at, at Berkeley and 200 guys will come down, you know, and, and you know, like, I, I wouldn't get in the ring with any one of them, you know, because right. they're, like, they're amazing, you know. Of course. And I said, but, but what you have to do is how is that going to translate to uh, going out in the world feeding a family and, and, you know, just exactly. getting her done. And the other thing is a lot of times you'll work out a lick in the room and you'll have that go and everything. But when you go to play it with the band, like it might not fit into the conversation. So if you have to, if you jam that in because that's the only thing you learned and you practice it, then no, I am going to show you this funk lick right here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you're not part of, so, so what I do is I always listen and that's where, where I get my ideas to, uh, and, and it's amazing when you listen, it's like there's a wealth of ideas everybody else is creating. So the conversation is, uh, is going back and forth in the band, and that's where the magic happens. Conversation, that's a big word, especially in a band. That's what it's really all about, and that's what's right. so fun. That's what I miss of the new way to record records, is sometimes right. you don't get the opportunity right. to be in the same room together and have those conversations. And I miss that. Yeah. I miss that. I mean, as much as I love my computer, you can't have a dialogue musically. No, you can't. With, you with can, yourself, you can, maybe. <laughs> you can hit play, and then, you know, it's going to stay like that, you know. But when, you know, when Herbie Hancock's right there, oh, and yeah. Vinnie Colliuto's over here, there's just so much stuff firing that, you know, that there's a wealth of information. What's fun when I hear, listen to you play is that you, you find your spots. You support that conversation. You lay back, yeah. you listen, you're playing. But then you find a place to, oh, there's your spot. But yeah. the way you pick your spots is just so beautiful and so, so musical, man. I just, I mean, it's, it's, it's. I learned from that. Well, I, I'm constantly learning about instincts. I mean, you know, James Jamerson made that instrument a solo instrument, you know, by, mm -hmm. And but on hits, you know, I was made to love her, you know, that right. bass comes in and and it's like he just came up with that, you know. Anthony Jackson, they put D minor on a chart in front of him for the love of money, and he came up with that bass line, you know. I mean and Did so he get songwriter credit? He got, for he got songwriter Thank credit. God. Yeah, yeah. So they had to give him a piece of the song. Is that the and but that's the genius of just like you start with something blank and that idea was just um uh, legendary. Boys, it ever. Yeah. So it's, but, but yeah, to this day, for me, when I go in, I'm going into to receive so that I can give something, you know. But it's never, it, it's, it's a two way conversation all the time. For sure. Now, the name of this podcast, in case you forgot, is Music on the Run. And what I want to talk to you about is your life on the road. You, man, you've been everywhere. You told me a million times. You've seen the world. You do. You know, you've toured with everybody. But here's what I want to find out from you, and this is what I think is really important about this podcast. I want to know how you normalize your life on the road and how you stay in shape on the road. Let's start there. What's a typical day look like for Nathan East on the road? Well, for, first of all, the term normal and the road don't go together. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should switch that normal. thinking a little bit. <laughs> Nothing normal about, you know, like being in a bed that's too hard or, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, but, but the bottom line, a, a few things, I mean, now I, I, uh, 
I have this folding Brompton bike that I take with me oh, everywhere I yeah, go. Oh, yeah, please talk about that. <laughs> so, so that's like a, uh, a good, you know, so since I take it, I can't just look at it when I get there, you know, kind of like I'm guilty if I don't ride it. So Speaks to you, does I it? I ride it to, to wherever I'm going to go to eat. I ride it to the gig, to and from the gig. So it kind of forces me to have a little bit of uh, extra, and you get to see the cities that I'm in. So it's absolutely, that's like a that's a, a no brainer for every hotel has a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them, you know. So if I can get for a swim, it's just kind of like opens up, you know, for the show. I feel better if I if I had a little swim before the show, you know. Right. I, I notice a difference if I don't. And um, and then the rest of the thing is all the usual stuff, you know. Uh, and I'm a night owl, so I'm up half the night Are you? <laughs> you know, sometimes. But but um, yeah, those kind of things, and and just don't go too crazy out there. Yeah, what's your favorite thing to do on the road? When you're away from home, what's your favorite thing? I mean, basically, when I'm on the road, I'm usually either catching up on the material that I'm playing, you know. Um, Chick Corea called me to sit in for John Patitucci in the electric band. No pressure. Damn. But uh, I was like, really, guys, you know? And uh, so so that, that time I spent literally every waking hour in the hotel room practicing those tunes. Shedding the show. Shedding the show, yeah. Well, that's preparation, man. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, it was like my fingers, I got blisters, and I, I, I couldn't stop shedding because the, the music was so challenging. Were you playing operator or were you <laughs> and, playing electric? Uh, a little both? bit of both, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, so just getting those tunes under your fingers. And, and, um, and then, plus, I don't want to kind of have to sit up there and read on a gig, you know. Right. So, so I was trying to get them committed to memory. But between that and then, again, when I'm on the road, you know, you're kind of catching up with family. So I'm in Japan, so it's okay, 16 hours ahead. So okay, now it's 9 a.m. at home. I can call them and catch them before they go off. You know? Right. And uh, so between all that kind of stuff, I'm calling. There's always a million emails, you mm-hmm. know. But I do try to make sure I have time to get out on the bike, though, you know. And, and, so uh, did you think that helps you mentally or to deal with any of the stresses of the road? Absolutely, absolutely, you know. Just get out there. Um, every morning I get up and, and get my 20 minutes of meditation in. Oh, you, you know? do? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just before before anything starts, you know, it's like if if it's a, if I'm going to wake up at 7, then at 20 to 7 I, I meditate, you know, when I wake up. So then, What does that do for you, man? And it just, it just takes the brain and shuts everything down, you know. Because uh, the news cycle alone will get you. <laughs> you Boy, know? you said a mouthful. You know, there. so you so with, with I just you know you need that space to just go to that like completely shut everything down and then just for me you know I think it's where it's the most quiet and you can hear God's whispers you know. And so, Interesting. Yeah. Once again, listening. Listening, you know. Once and, again. And then it, it just kind of dials you in. But, and then when you go out and get the day, you know, whatever whatever comes flying at you, you know, it's, it kind of rolls off your back. And, and uh, um, I do yoga a few times a week, which is really great, too, because it just, all it is is just stretching, you know. So, um, and, and we need our, we use our bodies, you know, you don't realize you're carrying our base, you know. And when you land, you know, from customs to the, from the plane to customs mm-hmm. is a mile, you know. And, and, and so, the bases aren't light, necessarily. No, exactly. So, and that's one one thing we we created this base just because it was start, starting to get you know like dragging and plus they wouldn't let me take the base on the plane so I had the heavy case or whatever. Right. But um, 
you know, so you're carrying that in your, your gear and your computer and your camera and all those bat- back mm-hmm. battery packs and everything. Right. So it gets heavy. So you're like this by the time you get <laughs> right. to so, the hotel room. So I think it's important to have a little stretch. And, and, and so that kind of stuff is kind of typical if I can get that in. It, it's, it just keeps me from going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet. You have what seems like the best disposition I mean, of, of anybody I know, how do you keep that positivity? Oh well, no, I'm, I mean, I, I am blessed beyond belief. You know, when I, I wake up and I look, you know, and, and I look at my family, and I look at you know the people I get to work with, and and you know just good health. I mean, we we lost uh, Chuck Loeb a few years yeah, ago. So you know, I, I, you know, one of my favorite musicians, but more importantly, one of my favorite people of all time. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, he was just, you know. People like that, I'm attracted to, and you know. So, if they can handle cancer and come out there, and he, after the show he's doing autographs and everything, I'm going, bruh. Yeah. You know, like there's nothing that you can really throw. And you know, he he was good to the last drop. We did the uh, we did a tour, and and I know it was hurting him to play, but he he got out there and gave it 150 mm. percent. You know, and um, so when I think about it, and I just have good examples of of. Uh, People with such great uh, worth ethics, Clapton. You know, he's he's uh, again. You know, I look at his level of energy, and and uh, he just doesn't stop. And when he plays, he doesn't leave anything. He doesn't leave anything. You know, it's like full on. You know, and, and we we laugh because then sometimes you get, he'll have a blister. <laughs> and uh, you know, we were in Japan. Um, few months ago and, and he had a blister on the finger that he has to do that lick for wonderful tonight mm-hmm. you know so break out the super glue <laughs> like i thought so so that lick is like he bend it up like three notes or something and and those little strings on the so he, he you know this big blood blister and i was thinking so we were playing the tune and i thought oh hey he's, he's re- rearranging that melody a little bit but then i realized you know <laughs> it was it was like it was pain, pain. every was note pain. and I'm blood pain. is flying everywhere so uh, you know, people go to a concert. You don't realize what these are kind of the behind-the-scenes issues that, that are taking place, and they're real, man. And that's what yeah. we—I mean, that's what's cool about this podcast. Is that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. I also want to talk about your family a little bit here. Uh, we only have a little bit of time left. Let's go back when your kids were little, when we didn't right. have FaceTime and all that. Right. How did you keep your relationship with your wife and your family together while you were traveling the whole time? What's the secret there? You know that that was rough when they were about um, three years old. They uh, I came home and they had, they had drawn a picture of the family and I wasn't in the picture. Oh, <laughs> and so and rip the, your heart off! I was man. like, oh. okay, now I think I got to adjust my road schedule a little yeah. bit, you know? Because I mean, if you're gone for a month, for somebody that's two years old, that's like you know a big poor. That's twenty percent of their life or something, you know? So it's. It's, uh, and it would break my heart, you know, and when I come home, my daughter would ask me, uh, you know, how long are you going to be home for this time? And I was like, oh, oh man. man, break so, your heart. Uh, so um, w- what I did was when I do get home, I try to make sure that, you know, all my waking hours are, were spent with them and mm-hmm. quality time, you know. And, uh, and then it's just, you know, the next thing is everybody just starts to get used to the, the idea. And, and I, I took them to, to Japan one year. I had enough miles. <laughs> exactly. That's when miles meant something. I had, I, like, I had a million miles on three different airlines, you know, Did so, you? like, a 
million American miles. So when, one time I took them to Japan, they were in first class. I was in business, you know, so I had, I had to go to first to visit them. You know, That's they, classic. They were killing it. They they'd, oh, look at these big screens and these monitors. And they were, you know, so 10 years old and they... Uh, they were loving life, were Loving they? life, loving of life. And they... And they uh, they learned, you know. They Daddy, you're not supposed to be up here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they kicked me out a long time ago. Oh, that's so good. So you, oh, your kids musical. And uh, my kids are musical. They they had lessons and uh, they were both in recitals. And and my daughter, uh, Sarah, she she gravitated more toward um, gymnastics. So oh. so she became a competitive gymnast. Um, for 10 years until she uh, dislocated her shoulder and then so but she was so athletic that she got on the track team and now she's on the uh, UC Berkeley's track team no kid D1 Pac-12 team traveling is that right and doing great so and then but my son got bit by the musical Mm. bug and uh, poor guy I heard him I heard him (laughs) on your record yeah he plays piano he played on both my albums a wonderful musician I discovered when he was five that he had perfect pitch and and, uh, the curse. Uh, it, I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> he, 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 and he can literally kind of hear something and just go play it, you know. So um, it's it's really great. It, uh, again, I feel like it's a big blessing. We get to play together. How and, fun is that? And, I, my yeah. daughter is, like I said, out here again. We get to play music together as yeah. well. There's nothing better about nothing seeing better. and playing with your with your children. No, nothing better. And And it's... Again, it's, I look at it, it's just a gift from God, you know, so mm-hmm. I, you know, sometimes in the music world, you say, oh man, do I really want my kid to be? <laughs> you know? I ask the same question because it's wow. so different now than when yeah. we were coming up. It's a whole, that's yeah. a whole nother podcast, so, bro. It is. We ain't going to do that one today, but it's, it is concerning. It, it is. It is. Because there's a different path and, and uh, so, uh, hey, Nige. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Fam, yeah. fam, walking in. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me. Uh, before we let you go, this gentleman was honored by the United States Congress. You got a congressional record of some sort. Will you explain exactly what that award was? Yeah, I, I didn't know what it was, but they they approached me and said, um, you know, for your contribution to worldwide, we want to give you a congressional record. So they actually go into the. Congress and they they recite all the stuff you've played on or worked on and then they uh, that must have taken a couple of weeks. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you, you, there's like an official record and a plaque and on this day and all these you know it's signed by all these important wow. senators and it's it's fantastic you know and, and again you know you you don't even think about that kind of stuff when you're just trying to be do you do your best and keep the standards high but you're just playing you just you're just playing we don't work we play <laughs> yeah we yeah right um, the thing people you know say will you ever retire well, i always laugh when i hear about you know guys say oh, okay i'm going to retire and the retirement to it we don't have anything to retire from you know exactly and uh i mean what musician retires my mom didn't she was 92 and was <laughs> playing you. bebop up until the day she died thank and you had better harmonics but by age 90 than she did when she was 89 you know every year was Les was Paul wrong. 95 right or ninety played you. every Monday at the Iridium in New York you know B.B. King right even they wheeled him out to the stage you know and he Lucille would have you know, we should he, be so lucky man. absolutely you know so I mean yeah you you might want to retire from oh man I don't want to beat it up so hard you know yeah but but uh 
I think the the word the better used word to use is just uh, yeah, maybe slow things down a bit or mm. something like that. If you really, you know, but but I, I love it too much. What are you doing in 2020? What are the plans? 2020 already we have a, a European Clapton tour booked. You know. Oh great. Yeah. So the, and um, and I have a, a tour book with a Russian artist. Um, I'm do I host the Jazz Weekend or on Valentine's Day weekend up in Carmel. Is that right? And we got a lot of good uh, talent coming. Okay, Patty, Patty I saw Austin that. Is, yeah, I saw you advertising for that. By the way, you're really good on social media, man. Come on. Oh man, no, I just I just post. I just I just stick stuff up there, you know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm impressed. And uh, it, it's fun though. It's fun, and we we live in a great time. And I, I think, uh, you know, with the, with a brand new decade here, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to look forward to. Where can we find out where you're going to be? What's your give us some uh, the website and all that? Uh, NathanEast.com usually has uh, the dates. Okay. And um, I try to keep it current. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, apart from that, I usually you know pop something up on Instagram or Facebook or twi- or Twitter. You know when we're when we're doing things. But uh, yeah, uh, just a lot of lot of fun things in store for the year. Podcast. Now before we go. The good folks here at Electra Voice are very appreciative of you coming as a, as am I, and we'd like to gift you with this mic that we are uh, talking into right now, an wow. RE three twenty. Oh, so man. thank you so much for oh, for being yeah. here. <laughs> All yeah. right, beautiful. Thank you, Evie. Wow. That's it for this version of or this episode of Music on the Run. My name is Saint Paul Peterson. This is my very special guest, Mr. Nathan East. We'll see you next time on Music on the Run. Thank you, everybody out here. I appreciate it. Thank my you, producer, Davide. I appreciate it. Evie, we love you. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson, recorded and produced by Davide Razo. Video editing by Ivan Sebastianov. A very special thanks to the patrons who financially support this podcast. And remember, every time you hear a song, It's most likely Nathan East on bass.